Grace be to you and peace from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We'll turn our attention again to our first lesson, the words of God that he gave to Aaron and all priests and pastors of all times to use to put his blessing upon his people. The Lord told Moses to speak to Aaron and to his sons and to tell them to bless the Israelites with these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. In this way, they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. We pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What does it mean to be blessed? Well, when someone sneezes, you say, bless you. What does that mean? If you have a German background, you said, might have said instead, Gesundheit. Loosely translated, simply means, may you have good health. So in that context, when someone sneezes and you say, bless you or Gesundheit, you are asking that that sneeze wouldn't be a sign of illness, but God would grant them the blessing of good health. When someone comes to you and compliments you on something that you've done, accomplished, something that you have, you might respond by telling them, yes, I'm, I'm truly blessed. And as a Christian, what do you mean? You mean that this wasn't something that you accomplished by your hard work. This wasn't just an accident or luck or karma. This was a blessing, a gracious blessing from God. As the theme for our next few weeks states, God gave this blessing to the people of Israel as they were two years into their stay at Mount Sinai and they had completed the tabernacle and were about to dedicate it. He gave words to Aaron and the priests to be used into all times in the future to put his blessing on people, on his people. We shouldn't miss the fact that these are the exact same words, words of God that have been used for 3,500 years to do just that, to put his name, God's name, on his people in order to bless them. We don't want to miss the fact that these aren't the words of the priest, these aren't the words of the pastor, not the words of man. These are the very words of God himself. And that theme for our next few weeks reminds us that God words possess God's power. What a wonderful thing it was that God wanted to bless those people at the foot of Mount Sinai. You remember what they were like. Stubborn, hard-hearted, God calls them. They had grumbled almost from the time they left the Red Sea, grumbled about the bitter water, grumbled against God and against Moses, grumbled about food. Just recently, they had worshipped and made a golden calf as their God. Amazing how wonderful that God still wants them to be blessed and gives them words, gives words to the priest to put his name on his people and to bless them. And what a blessing, what a wonderful thing it is that God still wants to bless you 
and me. Because we grumble and complain, too. Think about the grumbling and complaining you've done since last time you sat in these pews. Gas prices, things that are happening in your family, things that are happening around the world. We're not much different than those Israelites at the foot of Mount Sinai. We grumble and complain. Think about the times when you this week have made something more important to you than God, if only for a few minutes or an hour or two, but it was still more important to you than God. But God still wants you to be blessed. He still wants his name to be proclaimed and to put on you so that he can come to you and bless you. What a wonderful thing it is that God wants us to be blessed. And that blessing comes to us when God puts his name on us. And you know what that means, right? When you put your name on something, you're claiming it. You're saying, this is mine. When a child is born or you adopt a child, you give that child your family name. You're saying, this is mine, and I'm going to do everything that I can to care for this child and to feed this child and to clothe this child. I'm going to do everything I can to watch over them and to protect them. I'm going to raise them and teach them all the things that they need to know for life on this earth. And as a Christian parent, you say, I'm going to do all I can to raise this child in the training and the instruction of the Lord. I'm going to bring them to baptism so that God can put his name on them and make them a part of his family together with me. God had promised Moses that in connection with people gathering to worship him and to hearing his word proclaimed, he says, in every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and I will bless you. In baptism, and every time we hear his name, his word proclaimed to us, he gives us that wonderful promise. He's there. He comes to us. He wants to give us his blessing. God's blessing has to do with his name, who he is, his essence. And he hasn't hidden that from us. He's proclaimed it to us in his word. The shortest summary of it, of who God is, he gave that to Moses. As Moses said, you know, I want to see a portion of your glory. And God said, well, you can't see it full glory and live, so... You know, hide out in this rock and I'll cover you while I pass by and you can see my back. And then as God passed by, he proclaimed his name. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and overflowing with mercy and truth, maintaining mercy for thousands, forgiving guilt and rebellion and sin. You will by no means clear the guilty. He calls their children and their children's children to account for the guilt of the fathers, even to the third and fourth generation. He is the God of absolute justice and yet at the same time, the God of wonderful love and grace and patience and forgiveness. There's no better thing, no greater blessing in the world than to have God put his name on us the one and only true God, to put his name on us and to make us a part of his family forever. As he puts his name on us, he reminds us that he is our loving father. 
And as our loving Father, he blesses us and he keeps us. We think of Luther's explanation to the first article. He is our Father who made us, he created us, he knit us together in our mother's womb, and he gave us our body and our soul, our eyes and ears and all our members, our mind and all our abilities, everything we are, he made us. He didn't stop there, he still preserves us. He gives us clothing and food, shoes and drink, house and home, land, cattle, everything that we need for our life here on this earth each day. And as we think about that, every one of us here would have to admit we have a lot more than we need just for today. He gives us richly and daily many blessings. But our loving Father doesn't stop there. He keeps us. He watches over us. He protects us. He guards us. He sends thousands upon thousands of his holy angels to be watching over us all the time. And he himself, the psalmist says, neither slumbers nor sleeps. He keeps us from all harm. He watches over our life now with the goal that we will live with him in glory forever. As the one true triune God, as he puts his name on us, he reminds us that he smiles on us and is great to us. We, of course, here think of the second article. We ask ourselves the question, why would God smile on us? There's no reason for him to smile on us. Like those Old Testament people, we are stubborn and rebellious. We sin against him every day, not just in the sinful things that we do, but in the good things that we fail to do. We sin against him every day, not just in the lack of things that we have done, but in our thoughts, selfish thoughts, in our words, hurtful, unkind words. How could he ever show his smiling face to us? You know the answer. The answer is that the eternal Son of God, one with the Father from all eternity, chose to leave the glory of heaven behind and come down to earth to be your substitute. He experienced all kinds of hateful words and actions, all kinds of hateful thoughts against him. And yet he never had a single hateful thought. He never said a hurtful word. He never did anything sinful. He lived as your substitute. And he willingly allowed himself to see the angry face of God, to be punished, not for anything that he had done, but for all the things that we have done that are sinful and all the things that we failed to do that we should have done. He was punished in our place for all of them. It's because of Jesus, because of what he has done as our substitute, that God can smile on us and be gracious to us. As he puts his name on us, he reminds us that he turns his face toward us. He doesn't turn his back to us. He turns his face toward us. And he gives us peace because he turns his face toward us, because he doesn't turn his back on us. We have peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace 
that no one and nothing in this world can give us. Here, of course, we think of the third article. We think of the work of the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit working through the powerful word of God that proclaims good news to us. He works in our hearts to enable us to believe that God has turned his back on Jesus so that he never will turn his back on us. He assures us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever comes to him will never be driven away. As the Holy Spirit reminds us through the word of God that we have a loving Father who created us, who gave us everything, body and soul, all our mind and our abilities, who still preserves us, watching over us, providing everything that we need for daily life, who guards us, with his almighty power, sending powerful angels, thousands upon thousands of them, to watch over us every day. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we have the eternal Son who came to be our Redeemer, to pay for all our sins, to purify us for all, all unrighteousness, so that when the Father looks at us, he doesn't turn his face away because of our sins, but he smiles on us and is gracious to us because he sees those sins covered with the righteousness of Jesus. As the Holy Spirit shows us those things, we can't help but be filled with an indescribable peace that no one can take away. He says to us, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I am your creator and preserver. I am your redeemer and your sanctifier. Because of that, we can join the Apostle Paul and say, I know the one in whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Now, as we live our lives each day on this earth, it's easy for us to get caught up in the business of life. It's easy for us to get distracted from the truths of God's word by our and our troubles and our temptations and the horrible things that are happening in the world around us. It's easy to forget whose we are. That the one and only true triune God has put his name on us and he wants us to be blessed, not just today and tomorrow. To share blessings with his throughout all eternity. How important it is then for us to hear that as often as possible at least once a week, to hear those very words of God, not the words of man, but the word that God gave for the one who is called to speak them. God is speaking to you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. For God's promises in this way, I will put my name on my people, and I will bless them. Amen. Please stand.